we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. And if you would look in chapter number 11. Now, I know we're in a study right now in chapter 13, but this evening as we come to the Lord's table together, we'll divert our thoughts just to the subject of the Lord's death. And so if you would just go with me, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Let me mention to you that Wayne Crisp is having some uh, a doctor's appointment uh, tomorrow. And uh, I, think, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, Wayne and Dot said they may have some tests while he's there. And he's been dealing with a particular matter for quite some time, and and uh, they're very hopeful that they can move beyond some things. So I hope you'll pray for them, and uh, many others, of course, that uh, we've mentioned. Uh, Dan uh, Schatz, of course, and, and it was good to see Dan in church this morning. I've been praying for him and asking God to work in his life, and and also uh, Dan Dixon uh, has had. Um, well, I can't think of what it's called. Vertigo. Thank you. And uh, for three weeks, he's not been here with us. I think that's right, isn't it, Mindy? Three weeks. And I've just gotten so used to him being on the road. When I don't see him, I just think he's on the road because he's always here. And um, I texted him this week, and I said, no, I'm a bad pastor. <laughs> I haven't kept up with you as well like I should. And I, I would get little reports and... and uh, I'm glad nobody said amen there, by the way. And uh, <laughs> oh, the, the things my mind thinks of, you know, it's really bad. But um, anyway, pray for Dan, uh, that God would touch him. And, and um, those of you who have dealt with vertigo, you know how, uh, how serious that is when you're going through it. And uh, he's been dealing with it for three weeks, so you pray that God would intervene there. A number of our people have just had these mysterious type ailments, and uh, I hope that you'll pray that God would uh, give answers and provide healing. And uh, we know the devil will seek every opportunity he can to come against us, won't he? And so we need to pray one for another, and I hope you'll make that a matter of prayer this week. And let's ask the Lord to intervene. In all of these instances, I could name more to you. But sometimes if I seem hesitant to give a lot of details, it's only because I want to respect the privacy of the members of our church, our services, our live stream, so I don't get into a lot of it. And I especially don't like to say much unless I know it's okay to do that. And... Uh, that's just a, sort of a FYI type thing for all of you. And if you, if you would like for us to mention your needs, then let us know, and uh, we'll be glad to do that. 
Well, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, in verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. I want to speak to you on that subject this evening, the Lord's death. Why do we observe this supper? We observe it because the Lord Jesus uh, instituted it. He gave this supper, this ordinance to his disciple. There are two church ordinances. Uh, one, of course, the Lord's Supper. The other is baptism. Uh, both demonstrate what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us in order to save us. He died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again. And we identify with him in baptism publicly demonstrating uh, outwardly an inward work that the Spirit of God has done in us as we go down into the water. That is a picture of uh, our identification with Christ in his death. As we're submerged under the water, our identification with Christ in his burial. And as we come up out of the water, our identification with Christ in his resurrection. Thus we signify that we have received new life in the Lord Jesus. Uh, the Lord's table, of course, contains the elements of the bread and the wine. And when I use the word wine, I don't refer to an alcoholic beverage we buy uh, down at the store here in town. I'm talking about the, the, the fruit of the grape. And when we, when we drink the wine and we eat the bread, we identify with the body of Christ that was broken for us and the blood of Christ that was spilled for us in order to redeem us of our sins. And we show the Lord's death. And so tonight as we come together, we will observe the Lord's Supper and we will reflect upon the Lord's death. We will reflect upon the price that he paid for us. And because he paid that price for us, our sins are forgiven. We have a home in heaven and our hope is in him. So I'd like for you to go back with me now to the gospel according to Mark in the 15th chapter. Mark chapter 15 and we're going to begin reading in verse 22. Mark 15 and verse 22. And we'll read through verse 38. Mark 15, verses 22 through 38. The Bible says, And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull, and they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. 
And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of the accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Art thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days? Save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is to be interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Well, let's pray together. Father, we pray you would bless the reading of your word. I pray that you would help us in these moments to reflect upon the price that you paid to redeem us of our sin in your death on the cross. As we come together tonight, we come to remember this death and show the Lord's death in our observance of the Lord's table. I pray that every person in this room who does not know you as Savior would come to know you as their Savior, that they would receive the forgiveness that you secured for them in the payment of your blood. I pray for all of those who believe on you that you would help us to again consider the payment that you made for us with gratitude in our hearts that we would examine ourselves, that we would make confession of our sin, that there would be nothing between our soul and the Savior, that our fellowship and communion with you would be as it should be. I pray that this would be a sobering time for us in this time of self-examination. I pray that it would be a time of dedication and service to you, that we would present to you our bodies a living sacrifice, that they would be wholly acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm speaking to you on the subject of the Lord's death. The Lord's death. And I, I, I see four aspects of the Lord's death. In this passage, first of all, we note that his was a suffering death. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ was a suffering death. Notice, if you would, please, in verse 22, and they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull, 
and they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. This was a, uh, this was a drink that was created as uh, something that would numb uh, the, the victim of the crucifixion, it would numb them to the pain. The death of the cross was an agonizing death. That word excruciating, when we use that term describing pain, excruciating is a term that literally is associated with the agony of the cross. And so it would be customary to offer this to those who were being put to death on the cross, but the Lord Jesus Christ received it not. It was part of the cup that he drank to bear the suffering of our sin. And so he bore it. He bore it. Verse 24, and when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. Nine o'clock in the morning, they crucified him. He suffered great agony on the cross. Those who were crucified would first be scourged. We know that the Lord Jesus was scourged beaten with a whip called a cat of nine tails, nine cords with metal and glass and fragments of bone that were embedded in each of those cords and an executioner would uh, smite the person that he scourged with precision. Uh, Some did not survive the the scourging. The Lord Jesus was scourged. The crucifixion was often prolonged to induce maximum suffering and pain. When the condemned criminal arrived at the place of the execution, he was forced onto his back where he was nailed to the cross as it lay on the ground. The nails would measure five to seven inches and resembled what we would consider as modern railroad spikes. They would be driven into the hands and the feet of the victim. The nails would tear through the nerves in the wrists and the feet, causing severe bolts of pain through the victim's arms and legs. The cross was then slowly raised until it was vertical. The foot of the cross then was subsequently dropped into the place into a a deep hole. When it landed, it landed with a reverberating thud that sent excruciating pain jolting through the body. The wounds from the nails caused severe agony. The normal cause of death would not, of course, be the nails, but it would be a slow form of suffocation. The hanging position of the body would constrict the diaphragm, therefore making it impossible to breathe. 
In order to get air, the victim would push himself up, placing his weight on the nail wounds in his feet and wrists, rubbing his lacerated back against the rough wood of the cross. As the victim would grow tired, he would experience muscle spasms and become overwhelmed by the pain. His ability to breathe was increasingly hindered. As a result of that, carbon dioxide would build up in his bloodstream and he would eventually suffocate to death. If needed, soldiers could hasten the process by breaking the victim's legs. Of course, we know that when the soldiers came to break the legs of those who were crucified with Jesus, they found that there was no need for that to happen. He was already dead. In Psalm 22, we have a description of the pain, the agony of the cross. The psalmist says in Psalm 22 and verse 11, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths. As a ravening and roaring lion, I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaw. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. Isaiah wrote it this way in Isaiah 53 and verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You see, when the Lord Jesus died, he died a suffering death. And that suffering was a result of the sin of humanity. He suffered for us. A second aspect of his death that we see here is that not only was his death a suffering death, but his death was a shameful death. In verse 24, we read again, and when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take, and it was the third hour, and they crucified him. We know that they stripped him naked. Before they brought him to the cross, they placed the crown of thorns upon his head and they put a scarlet robe around him and they mocked him. They bowed before him in mockery to worship him. They plucked out his beard. They spat upon him. They took a reed that was in his hand that they had placed there as the symbol of his royalty and they smote him on the head. His death was a shameful death. In verse 26, and the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. They did this in order to mock him. But in all actuality, they identified exactly who he was. And with him, they crucified two thieves again. 
and in order to ridicule him and mock him. The one on his right hand and the other on his left, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads. The word railed means to blaspheme, to revile. Those who were there, those who were present, those who walked by would rail on him. They would blaspheme him. They would seek to hurt his reputation, to use words of slander against him. And they said, Ah, oh, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, he saved others himself he cannot save. Mocking means to, to, to play, to sport with or against someone, to, to deride. When they brought Samson before the Philistines in the temple, they brought him there to make sport of him, to mock him and ridicule him. This is what they did to Jesus. The Bible says in verse 32, let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. The passers-by are railing against him. The Pharisees and the religious leaders are mocking him. And now those who are criminals, he was no criminal. He, he died with two thieves. They began to revile him, to defame him, to disparage him. Imagine that. In Psalm 22 and verse 6, the psalmist said, describing how Christ felt on the cross, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. I grew up in church, I'm thankful for that, and in the church I grew up in, uh, one of the men would often sing the song, he could have called 10,000 angels. And he could have, couldn't he? To destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. His death was a suffering death. It was a shameful death. Isaiah said, he has despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. The question for us tonight is, are we willing to bear the reproach of Christ? Or are we ashamed of the gospel? But thirdly, his death was a separating death. In verse 33, and when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it, gave him to drink, saying, let alone, let us see whether Elias will come take him down here he is his disciples have forsaken him there is a small band that is with him 
mainly women who are with him. But the disciples have forsaken him. The passers-by, well, they're railing against him. The religious leaders are mocking him. Even the thieves on the cross are reviling him. How bad can it get? But now the worst horror of the cross is experienced in verse 34 when the Lord Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, it is in this moment that Jesus Christ, who has become sin, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. As he hung upon the cross, he took the curse of our sin upon him. He became sin. And his father, with whom he had enjoyed fellowship and union throughout all eternity, in that moment was separated from his son. What an awful thing. He was all alone on the cross, forsaken. One hymn writer put it this way, but none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed or how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found his sheep that was lost. The great temptation that comes to us that we must resist on a constant basis is that we have heard the gospel, we have received Christ as Savior, we attend a church where the Bible is preached and taught, we know the truth, but it doesn't seem to affect us. We've gotten used to it. And we forget the price that Jesus paid. His death was a separating death. May I say to you, lastly, his death was a satisfying death. No doubt his enemies were satisfied that he had died, but that's not what I mean. I want you to look again in verse 37. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost, and the veil of the temple was written twain from the top of the bottom, or from the top, rather, to the bottom. And when the centurion, which stood over against him, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. You see, the Lord said, It is finished. And when he, cared, when, he, when he spoke those words, it is finished, he used a term to say basically this, paid in full. The price of redemption has been paid in full. There will be no more need for a blood sacrifice. The only sacrifice that we will ever need was given, made, that dreadful day on the cross of Calvary. The wrath of God was satisfied. The payment was made. And salvation could be offered to all who believe. Uh, we do not have to go to the tabernacle or to the temple 
carrying our oxen and our doves. We, we don't have to depend on the priest to enter into the Holy of Holies on an annual basis to provide for us atonement for our sin. No, Jesus has already made that payment. And because he's made that payment, we receive the forgiveness of our sin. And so if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so tonight we reflect on the death of, Christ, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the bottom to the top. From the top to the bottom, excuse me. That veil was there to keep people from entering into the Holy of Holies. Only one time a year could the high priest go in. He's the only one who could go in. He went in on behalf of all the people. But now you and I have access into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. And Paul, uh, well, the writer of Hebrews, let's say it that way. The writer of Hebrews says that we can enter boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We don't have to wait for a particular day. We can go into the presence of Christ at any moment with boldness and confidence, not in ourselves, but in him. And so tonight we remember his death, and perhaps there is some reflection that is happening in our hearts at this moment. The Lord's table is a table of appreciation. We ought to give thanks for what Christ has done for us. It's, it's a table of declaration that speaks of what he did for us. We eat the bread, which speaks of his body. We drink the juice, which speaks of his blood provision for our sacrifice. It's a table of self-examination. We don't take it lightly. We take it meditatively. And we examine our hearts and we come clean before the Lord. So this is a great time for us to do that. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.